Welcome to episode two of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast for chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs. I'm Hillary Jastrom, and I'll be your host on this fabulous journey. Today, we are so excited to have Cindy Honeycutt with us. Cindy became an entrepreneur through Baptism by Fire. She'll tell you all about it. She's now a successful writer for major media publications and is poised to do even more to help our very special community. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Welcome, Cindy. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for being on the Sick Biz Buzz podcast. You are the second guest, and uh, it's so great to meet you. Just so people have a little bit of a context, uh, you and I connected this week, and um, reading about you was very inspirational. So we're Super happy to have you on. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I've been trolling you because that's what you have to do. You have to stalk people, you know, before they come on. <laughs> and um, so let's just get a little elevator speech from you. I want to just familiarize people with what your situation is. Um, you have cerebral palsy and you're mm -hmm. working for yourself. And yes. um, can you just... Give us some insight into your journey as far as, you know, what led you to this place and in between working for yourself and uh, kind of doing some stuff on the side. What did those years look like when you were really grinding it out? Well, um, it basically started because I had been working outside of the home in a traditional job. Um, I had transportation from my mother-in-law and she helped with childcare. Because of the cerebral palsy, I do not drive. I probably could, but there's a lot of anxiety about getting my mind and my body to work together in the way that I need to be able to pay attention to everything. So um, it began out of a desire to help contribute financially. So I started working um, on associated content. It's a defunct platform now. And I was excited about the possibility of a penny a word because, you know, I can type 75 words per minute. And it sounded like it was going to be amazing money. And uh, I quickly learned that you have to research and you have to, you know, it, it doesn't come down to just how fast you can type. There's much more to it than that. And so uh, my first year in 2009 or 2008, excuse me, um, I literally worked every day. Sometimes it was only an hour or two, um, and sometimes it was a full eight-hour shift, and I gradually got myself to where I made enough money to live without income from my uh, then-husband, and we unfortunately divorced uh, just this past year, and I'm able to take care of everything on my own with my son. So it just kind of, a lot of it came from networking and just being in the right place at the right time with people. Networking is um, a huge component of it. And, you know, I think it's harder for people who have a disability or a chronic illness to consistently put forth that effort to network. And I certainly have found that to be the case, but it's a pivotal piece of it that a lot of people don't seem to understand. So you continually reached out to people and that was kind of the game changer for you. Yeah. Um, a lot of it I did 
um, online with message boards and, you know, social media came into play a few years into the game. But um, I was able to break past the idea that people would be able to notice my disability. And I started going to um, the Type A Parent Conference that was initially hosted here in Asheville, North Carolina, where I live. And I started making connections face-to-face at that event. And it kind of went on to other events where I met people that I had already been in contact with. So they knew my situation before I met them face-to-face, which made it a lot easier for me. And through those connections, I've been able to make other connections online. And, you know, they kind of feed into each other. You meet somebody online, you meet them in person, then you meet other people in person and, and you connect online. And then you go back and meet other people in person and back online. It's a, it's a cycle that I've um, learned to enjoy because working from home can be kind of lonely sometimes. Yeah. And uh, getting out there, you know, once a year is good enough for me. <laughs> I hear you. Um, I kind of feel like a shut in. So, you know, it's like you stumble out into the bright light. Oh my God, there's people out here. And so I totally hear you. Um, I'm going to be traveling for the first time since I got sick this year. And I'm kind of freaking out, but like happily freaking out at the same time because it's a whole different atmosphere. But we do have to work harder on getting yeah. out and pushing ourselves. So, you kind of flipped the script on yourself um, as far as removing your own stigma of what it's like to have a disability and how people would perceive you. You went from, if I'm hearing you right, you went from being uh, a little bit more conservative about it or protective about it to just putting it out there. This is who I am. Yeah. And how did that go the first time you did that? It went much uh, better than I expected. You know, um, growing up with a limp and being in classes that, you know, I had to be pulled out of for physical therapy at school, there was a lot of attention on me as a child. So I just assumed that people noticed. And it turns out as an adult that people don't notice unless I call attention to it. And once I figured that out, Um, And I heard it from multiple people that I trusted and as well as people I barely knew. It kind of gave me the confidence to just go out there and make the connections that I needed to make. And then I decided to kind of come out online with my disability and it's just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I think we really build up these moments of what it's going to be like when people find out what the reality is, you know, and the reality is um, sometimes we're tired. I mean, you worked every day, you said, on your business, but sometimes only two hours a day. Is that because you needed to rest or you needed to adjust your schedule? Yeah, um, pretty much. I mean, a lot of the time now, even though I still work full time, I work a few hours in the morning and I take a break in the afternoon. So. Whereas someone would be able to go into an office for eight hours a day, clock in, get their work done and clock out. um, It's really hard for me to get the work home balance because it takes me 16 hours to do what somebody would do in eight. Because I have to stop and rest and 
do those kinds of things in between. And you're totally open with your clients about this when you talk to them or how do you frame that conversation so that they get the expectation, but you're also able to work in the way that's best for you? Honestly, the majority of my clients, unless they have stopped me and found the entrepreneur piece where I came out with cerebral palsy, they don't necessarily know. Um, What I do is I try to build a little bit of buffer into my turnaround times so that if I do need a break, I don't disappoint because I'm not late. But Mm -hmm. that often means, you know, giving them a 48 hour timeline on a dead, you know, a tight turnaround instead of a 24 hour timeline. Um, With that approach, I've been late on assignments maybe three times in the past nine years. Um, And it doesn't seem to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. You know, I think that's a huge part of it um, that we have to continually prove ourselves. I can do the work. I can do the work. I'll show up. I'll meet this deadline. I'll do this because I'm in the same boat as you. Um, My ability to get things done is kind of what I fall back on, especially with future prospects to say, I never miss a deadline. I always do what I say I'm going to do. And I just think it's phenomenal that uh, you're doing that. You're doing that with limitations and people who want to start their business who are not sick or who don't have a disability um, seem to have a problem with that sometimes. And I mean, it'll just be very transparent as somebody who's who needs to work extra hard to ensure that my clients know, despite this situation, you will have the best uh, result and my attention. I don't really have time for excuses for people who. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. So um, in running your business, well, first I want to ask you, are you secretly glad that you don't drive even though you could? Because I don't drive the majority of the time either. I drove for the first time a couple days ago and I kind of drove like a wild banshee with the windows open and my hair flying around. And it was good that it was <laughs> a very short trip for other people on the road. That was a good thing for them. But are you kind of secretly glad you don't drive? Yeah, I am because I, I feel like people who have to deal with gas prices and commute times and car insurance and car repairs that adds an entirely new level of stress. And if I had to deal with that on top of the limitations that I deal with, I think that might just break me. So with your disease, are you prone to flares? Can you, like if you're stressed out or if you eat something that inflames you or whatever? Well, see, the thing that's often misunderstood about cerebral palsy is it's actually a neurological condition, and um, the brain damage itself that causes it is not progressive. The reason I live in so much pain and have the limitations I do is because of changes in my mechanics with the way I walk and the way I sit. That has kind of worn my body down, so I have um, arthritis already in my spine, and I just turned 32 earlier this week. Um, Um, Well, happy birthday. 
Thank you. But uh, so things like that. Yeah, the uh, weather can make it flare pretty bad. And if I'm too active, like if I have a good day and I decide, you know, oh, I can clean the litter box today. Um, mm-hmm. No, <laughs> you know, it ends up coming to to bite me the next day. Um, but hormones and stress generally contribute to it, too. I mean, I wouldn't I don't think that diet does much, but I'm not too nutritionally sound anyway, to be honest. So I don't really know. <laughs> you know what? I go back and forth on that where I'm like, all right, this is it. We're cutting it all out. And then I, and then I say, I'm not a heroin addict though. And I'm not a gambler and I'm not, you know, frittering away the family's fortune, which we don't really have a fortune, but you know what I'm saying? And so then I feel like, well, why can't I have this? It's just, exactly. can I just have this one thing, please? When- yeah, I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm such a, like, I just jump off and on the bag- bandwagon. All right, we'll try it this week. I'm clean. Next week, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so let's talk about you have, well, first of all, you identify yourself as a boundless creative. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what that means. But also when you labeled yourself as that, because labels, in my opinion, can, they can move us forward and they can move us back. What are your feelings on that? Why did you decide to label yourself as a boundless creative? Well, it took me a long time to come up with that label because I hate the concept of labels, but Boundless came to me because of the fact that I technically have so many physical limitations that I wanted to prove and show that you can have something wrong with your body physically and still have the sky be your limit. But I didn't like limitless. I feel like it's overused. So I chose boundless. And then creative comes from, you know, being a writer and a web designer. It just felt right, I guess. I'm going to have to do a lot of work with the branding as far as getting that message out, but I felt like it was the right direction to go in. And so you just, you're a heart-centered business is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, I think that is key. have always believed that when you work in your passion, the money will follow. It's Mm -hmm. just as long as you consistently move forward into like what your gut is telling you that you need to do. And good to note that you are a web designer. Um, So people listening to this, I mean, the thing that we try to do is bring visibility and awareness um, and smash stigmas concerning entrepreneurs um, who have disabilities or who have a chronic illness and even we want to expand that into people who might be going through treatment and find themselves temporarily able to work. Um, it spans the spectrum, but there, to some degree, people have something or they're going to get something. And they may find themselves in a position where they have to reinvent themselves. So I think it's important to not only talk about this and to bring awareness to various conditions and diseases and disabilities, um, but to also give you a chance to just blow your own freaking horn, you know? Right. And, um, you know, talk about yourself. Like it, it, 
to get your message out there, to get your media out there. I am intrigued so as I'm digging into you with my stalker mode on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've written, so you started from a reinvention standpoint of literally, I have to change things right now. I have to reinvent myself right now. I have to be a success. There is no other option for me. And now you're writing for some very notable sites. How did you accomplish that? Uh, well, it all comes back down to the networking um, for the first the first uh, publisher, really. Um, because of the disability and growing up being bullied, I have an innate fear of rejection. So once the person that introduced me to the editor at Entrepreneur told me that I was good enough and it would be fine, I kind of put myself out there and I've learned that as that person was okay with it, maybe this person will be too. And I found that it was easier to reach out to those big name publishers than it was to blog for myself and build the traction. So basically, by getting with the big name publishers, I have an automatic audience, which helped build my name faster than trying to produce that kind of level of content on my own website that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. And it... It cut a lot of the time building backlinks and doing social media promotion and all that stuff that you really have to do to get a business running off the ground out because people saw me. Right. And it kind of validates me when, when people say, oh, I, hey, I read your article on Search Engine Journal and I'd really like you to write for my blog and things like that. So you just took advantage of it. Did you spend those two years saying yes and then just figuring out how to do it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same Z's. <laughs> so that's amazing. Um, you don't hear about a lot of people who are even able to, you know, able-bodied people who start a business and who are able to progress this far. Um and I phrase this, I frame it in a way of I'm not, I'm not lobbying pity at you because I don't like to receive that either. I like people to see me. Um, but at the same time, I think that we're kind of overly sensitive to how we're quote unquote labeled. Um, if we are an entrepreneur with a disability, a disabled entrepreneur, uh, a sick entrepreneur, how, some people really seem to think that or not think that they they feel it's really important how we phrase those. I don't even know if we call them labels, but how we phrase the facts of, of what a person is living with. I don't personally think that it's that big of a deal. And maybe that's because I have a chronic illness. Um, what do you think about that? I, I understand where you're coming from, but I agree with you. I think it because we live the way we do with the disabilities and the chronic illnesses, we don't see it that way. We, I believe that having a disability or a chronic illness builds an innate compassion for mm -hmm. anybody else that could possibly be in a similar situation. So we don't focus on labels and we just do what we have to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like we don't have time to focus on labels. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's not a uh, 
it's also not where we want to put our energy. Our energy goes to other ventures and um, we have to conserve our energy. We have to be very selective about where we put our energy. We have to redefine success for ourselves because, uh, you know, if we're, if somebody says, well, you're going to keep up with, you know, these superstar entrepreneurs that are ruling the world and they're working 20 hour days and here we go. I can't keep up with you, you know, in that way. But if we adapt, we can keep up in different ways. And um, for me personally, getting sick uh, has opened doors to finding out things about myself that I never even knew, uh, strength that I never thought I had. What has it done for you? Well, you know, I didn't get sick. I I was born this way. Mm-hmm. So as a child, I didn't necessarily deal with the pain and the fatigue and things that I do now. So it's kind of evolved. And I've learned that where there's a will, there's a way. Um, obviously, I could drive, but I, you know, I feel comfortable not driving, mostly for the sake of everybody else on the road. So I use things like Uber and I do a lot of online shopping and basically whatever needs to be done, I get done somehow because I can't rely on the rest of the world to do it for me. Yeah. And I've done a lot of um, discovery and, and growing in the past year since my husband and I have divorced because I had never been fully on my own before. I went straight out of high school into his arms and we had a baby and, you know, we did the family thing and I always had somebody. And so I always kind of doubted my ability, you know, can I take care of myself and can I take care of a child too on my own? And I figured out that not only can I do it, but I can do it well. So you just, you have to challenge yourself, even though you feel like you're up against enough with your illness or your disability, you just have to keep pushing that boundary to see how far you can go. And you can always go a little bit further than you think you can. So the vulnerability is a bit of a gift because it makes you keep pushing forward. It makes you keep overcoming obstacles and you're surprising yourself. You're doing far better than you thought you would and you can do it. I'm sorry to hear about your marriage. Um, Sometimes we have these casualties that happen for whatever reason. And um, I'm a big proponent of turning pain into purpose and using it to find and develop our deeper mission. So my hat's off to you. It's hard. I've been a single mother before. And uh, I know you're tired and covered in peanut butter handprints. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, fortunately, mine, he's 13. So it's a little bit easier Um, if if he were a toddler still, I really don't know that I could have done it, mm-hmm. but, um, that actually brings me to a, another point that I think is very important for people to know. Um, I was always concerned that my child would be teased because his mom walks funny and things like that. And not only have his friends not noticed, but they've embraced me for who I am. They don't, they don't care. And I believe it has made my son 
far more compassionate than most 13 year old boys would be. So, you know, as much bad stuff out there that you hear about disabled parents and everything, it's not all bad all the time. Like it is completely possible for a functioning family unit to occur. And, um, I honestly believe that exposing my son to the pain and things that I go through um, has helped him realize that, you know, he's lucky to be able-bodied and he's much more helpful to people who aren't than he would be otherwise. Yeah. There are years of teaching moments for our kids um, and modeling just tireless strength. Um have you always been this way with this type of mindset of positivity or have you done a little bit more digging to turn your life around and look at things from a different mindset? I would be lying if I said that I've always been this positive about it. Um, and I have my days where I'm just like, you know, this sucks and I can't believe this is my life. And, you know, sometimes it's really hard to, turn it around and make it a good thing, but ultimately I can't change it. Um, (laughs) so why wallow in self pity and depression when the situation is not going to change? Like action is the only thing that's going to make it better. Like going to physical therapy and taking care of myself and taking care of my son needs to be done. Whether I feel like crap or I'm happy about it. So I might as well be happy about it because it makes it easier to deal with. Yeah, I kind of went through the same thing. It was like the world's after me and everything's coming down and how I'm going to do this. And it really is in our control every single moment. And it starts with that mindset. Um, And I think it's just amazing. Uh, I also feel very, very lucky that I am not afflicted with depression because I do know some people who are chronically ill and who have depression. And I can't imagine having both of those things. I feel very blessed that I was able to find this positive mindset. And um, it just welcomes in more abundance. And it looks like you're experiencing the same thing. Um, My days are different than everybody else's days. So are yours. And we have to figure out hacks. We have to figure out adjustments and balance and all those things. Do you have a time or efficiency hack that you use? Yes, most definitely. Um, Because I can't sit or stand for long periods of time, um, I kind of break up the workday with chores and things so that I'm kind of getting, I guess I'm multitasking all day long. Like when my back hurts from sitting at my desk too long, I go load the dishwasher, but Mm -hmm. I can't load the dishwasher and then sweep the floor. So it kind of breaks things down into bite-sized pieces that I can handle. And then I have, you know, office productivity hacks where I have a plugin on my browser. I can't remember the name that um, hides my inbox. So I can click the tab, but I can't actually see my email. And then that reminds me to go back to what I was doing and focus on my email later and things like that. Yeah, we are. It takes me like five hours to do the dishes because (laughs) I'll just keep going back to it and hacking away at it. Um, 
I think that's great, though, to keep yourself focused, uh, especially with your with your computer hack or your software hack. That's um, that's great, especially because we're so scattered nowadays. There's so much that people can reach us in any way possible. It's very hard for us to hide and do work. Um, do you time block out your work or do you have you identified the best times for you to work? Is it late at night or are you doing more of a, we'll see how tomorrow goes or how do you work that? I try to get the bulk of my work done early in the morning because I found that if you do it before everybody wakes up or businesses start opening and you get clients emailing you or IMing you, you can actually focus on getting the work itself done. So I try to get up early in the morning before my son goes to school and knock out the articles that I need to get done. And then that way, when uh, my clients need something, I can respond to the email to the IMs and then make my plan for the next day. And then if I need to, I can take a nap because everything's done. Yeah, I hear you. The beauty of the power nap is like in full force. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so as you were learning and growing your business, what is the worst mistake you made or what is the absolutely wrong way to run your business? Undervaluing yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, pricing is one thing that everybody struggles with and having a struggle that all entrepreneurs deal with actually helped me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. But when you can't recognize your value and you have a fear of rejection, it's really easy to be like, well, I'm going to price this this way. So I know I get the job. And then you end up working longer and harder for less money. And when you're in a situation like we are, where you don't necessarily have uh, a good four hours in a row that you can dedicate to work, you need to make the most of your time, whether that means pricing yourself a little higher or taking steps to hone your skills to where you truly do command the value that you need to function. Okay. So I'm curious, and I think that's great advice. Um, I did the same thing. I was like, oh, I'll do anything. And so then my business model was completely um, just it covered a multitude of bases. And uh, one guy said, uh, I don't know what you do. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we are achieving the wrong thing. Let's do a, let's do a shift in direction. Um, so I think that's important now dealing with pricing and talking to your clients about pricing. It's a little intimidating, especially when you're afraid of rejection. So how did you manage that? I just rationalized that if this guy said no, someone eventually will say yes. Keep working with the work you've got. It may not be what you want to be paid, but it's enough to pay the bills. And eventually someone will say yes, and you can take that higher valued work and phase out the lower paying work to where you, until you can get to where you want to go. And at this point, even though I'm getting paid higher, I have people in my network that are telling me I'm still not getting paid enough. And I'm still, you know, at the proverbial hamster wheel. So I'm actually 
shifting my focus yet again to kind of go away from freelancing and moving into a consulting area where I'm going to be hopefully helping people who want to become entrepreneurs but aren't sure how and people like us who can't necessarily work a traditional job but they don't know where to start Mm -hmm. because I found that a lot of people they want to learn how to become a freelance writer like I have been but Mm -hmm. the skills aren't necessarily there and the desire to do it just isn't necessarily there but they could drive so maybe they need to get with Uber or maybe they're a photographer and they could work with stock photography and just kind of start a side gig that can morph into something else if they have the direction and the help to get them there. So is it helping them? um, And I just heard this word the other day, clarity coach and helping to bring uh, a little bit clearer vision to what serves them the best. I've actually never heard the term clarity coach before, but I like it. That's pretty (laughs) much Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm heading, I hope. Yeah. Um, And so you're starting this up. You're going to be doing a podcast. What are your plans for this business? Where are you in the process? Well, I'm just hammering out my full vision, you know, where I want to be in the next five to 10 years. So I'm breaking back down and working backward to get those steps started. Um, I'm filing my LLC paperwork and getting all the back end stuff handled. But eventually um, I will have an assessment of sorts that allows you to say, here are my limitations and here's what I'm good at. And it will spit out hopefully a list of things that you could do and then you tell me what you want to do and I tell you how to get there. I love it. It sounds like a career coaching as well. And we, you know, we see that, we see that in uh, colleges, uh, but we also see that uh, with recruiters who are doing an assessment of what are you interested in and what are your strengths? We've not seen that for entrepreneurs. So uh, I'm super excited to learn what you do with it. Um, And then I'm guessing that your last business is probably going to be the creation of the universal sarcasm font. I I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I've kind of had that in the back of my mind for a few years. and And the reason I haven't pursued it is because I haven't quite figured out the best approach yet, but it is on the to do list. I bet you could get a graphic designer to donate their time and and put their name behind it. And they would just be super excited about it. So, um, but this was a very empowering conversation and I'm so glad, um, that you joined us today on sick biz buzz. Can you, do you have any parting thoughts for us? Anything that you wanted to make sure that you tell people who are in this very special demographic and what would you like to leave them with? Just don't give up. I know it's cliche and I've heard it many, many times, but seriously, even when things look bleak, you know, take a step back, take a break, but try again tomorrow. It will get better and you will find a way. So rest, don't stop. Exactly. Very wise words from Cindy Honeycutts. We're so happy to have you on today. Thank you for sharing your morning with us. And uh, let's give a little shout out to where people can reach you. 
Okay, for now, it will be at LucindaHoneycutt.com. And when that changes, I will make an announcement. Fabulous. And we will make that announcement as well and support you um, with any contact information. Don't be surprised if we uh, kind of merge our visions a little bit in accordance with your new venture to help entrepreneurs. Uh, I think it's brilliant. So thank you so much for being on again. And it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me. You bet. That was my conversation with Cindy Honeycutt. She had some great points about surviving, about the mental frame set that you have to put yourself into to get through these obstacles. And as we talk about a lot on the show, this is all about framing your mindset. So you will allow what you want in your life. And Cindy absolutely nailed it on the head when she talked about that subject. Um, please make sure if you need any help in any capacity that you head over to sickbiz.com. Additionally, you can write us an email at sickbizco at gmail.com. If you like this episode and other episodes like it, please make sure you subscribe and pass the word on so we can help even more entrepreneurs. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.